You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is... Paul Guillieri. Paul, here we are. We are about a month from, maybe three weeks from the release of Dark Matter, the new single from Pearl Jam's Dark Matter. We're very excited. We've had a lot of content happening over the last couple of weeks. Um, We have had a live stream We've had reactions from Rich Wilson and Step and you and me, and we've had Ryan Lent teach me how to play the damn thing on the guitar, and there's a lot of really fun things happening over the next month, including some interviews that I know our our listeners will be, or I guess our viewers really now that we're in this world, are very excited to uh, to listen to and to watch. I don't know. I lost my words there. What do you think? It, it, it's a thrilling time to be alive, Jason. A thrilling time to be alive. Uh, I suppose the only thing more thrilling would be uh, if those of you watching or listening would rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform of choice. Feed that algorithm. It's hungry. Yes, that, that, that's really that's all that there, there is. <laughs> that's, that's all Anybody who is watching on YouTube right now, uh, subscribe to the video. There's a little thing right here in the bottom somewhere. Uh, like this video. And I hit the little bell guy for notifications. That thing helps the algorithm put this in front of more Pearl Jam fans. And what Paul said mm-hmm. helps uh, regular audio-only podcast listeners find the show. So do that. That'd be super helpful. Also, if you want to help fund the show um, and keep it growing, uh, please consider buying a shirt or joining Patreon. We've got um, links in the description. That? Like that thing you right like there. That? That's, one, that's one of the <laughs> shirts right there. You could, you could purchase if you like to help this show keep all these lights on. And uh, there's links in the description, like I said, and our social media bios has links as well, if you are so inclined. Other than that, we're happy that you're here, and wherever you're listening or watching, and uh, I think we should jump into this thing. Oh, Paul. Dark Matter. First single. And, you know, when it came to thinking about what this first single might mean, or might sound like, you know, we were four years away from, whoop, Paul's, Paul's, <laughs> Paul's, I'm laughing for the, for you audio only people. Paul's uh, camera decided to go, boom, which is really fun when you're, uh, when you're watching this thing. It's the technical marvels that we have. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. First singles. So uh, we were thinking about a few weeks ago, what a first single would sound like considering we were four years mm-hmm. removed from the last first single of a record. And we did an episode, I want to say a month, five weeks ago, something like that, about if you could go back in time, what would you pick as the lead single from every album? I find that so intriguing because we, we, we have all the hindsight in the world and we know what worked and didn't work and what sounds the band was leaning into at the time versus maybe what we think mm-hmm. they should have leaned into. What the hell do we know? But this is a fun game. And so we made our picks and that episode is out there. You can go back and listen to it um, if you want. But with picking the first single, well, now you've got to follow it up because 
Sure do. Well, in, in a week or two, we're probably going to get the second single from Dark Matter. So it's kind of in the, we're kind of getting into, into the wheelhouse of that second single, whatever that might be. So what was your process like for this? Because, I mean, obviously you can either double down on the sound, right? Mm-hmm. Look, look for some continuity, or you can try to strike a contrast and present something very, very different. You know, show some range on the album with the second single. And are, are you, or does any of that factor into the calculus or is it more, Hey, you know, this is, we're trying to, trying to move records here, trying to move units. So <laughs> w- w- whatever the best, well, best biggest hit w- w- would be, that's what we're going to put out for, for number yeah, two. I got it. I got it. When I was going back to the first one, the first, uh, the episode where we talked about the first single, what we thought that should be. Right. I think I was very much of the mindset of show the strongest parts of the album, both musically and thematically up front. I, I like that. I like mm-hmm. showing it's almost like a it's not a trailer per se, because a trailer oftentimes can give too much away. But I mm-hmm. like an indicator. I like something that 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 is bold but indicates something that's a theme. Like, oh wow, it sounds yeah. like this. It, he's talking about this. I can expect more of that. I like that out of a first single. Second single is who knows? I mean, you could double down, you could go in reverse. I think it depends what the rest of the record sounds like and how that first single um, worked within mainstream rock and roll, whether you care about that kind of thing. Um, So there's a lot of factors that play into what will be a second offering from a new record. And I think I have some interesting theories here. Um, Some maybe more obvious than others. And I'm curious to see where you go with this. Uh, any opening thoughts from you on choosing second singles? No, I mean, it's, it's just when I consider that rationale, you know, that mindset with this process, it makes me consider a song like Dance of the Clairvoyance and how, you know, that may or may not have been indicative of what the rest of the record was going to sound like. Like in some ways, I think it was indicative of the depth and breadth of sound that we would get on Gigaton. And it showed a, uh, a vast diversity of range in terms of what the band was capable of producing and the way that they were willing to expand the, uh, the bandwidth of their sound. But I, I, I'm reluctant to say that that was reflective of what so much of the rest of the record actually ended up sounding like. Right. So I think that you can go pretty much in any direction you want with these as the band has. Right historically proven that they will do. Um, and I think that the same holds true for the second single. So I would be surprised if we have a lot of overlap here. Let's put it that way. Yes. I'm trying to think back to the first uh, part of this series, if you can call it that. Um, I don't think we had more than maybe two that were the same. If that actually, to be honest with you. Right. The great animal is the first single from versus animal was right. All right, yeah, I think I I think you're right. I think you you could go anywhere. It's and it's it's less about um, the song itself, but I'm curious as to why, because right. some songs might easily present themselves and be like, of course that should be the second single. Maybe it should have been the first, but why is it the second single? Um, again, very subjective, silly exercise, but it 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 makes me enjoy the process um, of what. Let me back it up. It makes me appreciate what the band and management and the label have to think about for this process and what they're hoping to mm-hmm. accomplish. 
So with that said, minimal preamble there, Paul. Let's start back at the beginning again. So well, let's let's tell people what we what we chose originally for the lead single, and we're going to start with ten before we get into your choice. Okay, so the original lead single in our uh, lead single exercise that we did a few weeks back, I think I went with Alive, mm-hmm. and so as a follow up, second single is going to be Even Flow. <laughs> there you go, groundbreaking. You, I know. You've, you've um, done it. <laughs> Uh, I think I went and did this one mostly because, you know, they, they played this song, Mike said, between 50 and I think 70 times or something. Uh, they just continued to work and work at this track, trying to get it right to the point that they were sick of playing it. And I think it's an interesting choice as a second single, mostly because it continues to showcase that arena rock sound with those those uh, 70s classic rock influences. But at the same time, it really does feature a groove that is missing in a life. Mm. And, um, and it, it, I mean, Mike's solo just rips. It's just a killer, killer opportunity for the band uh, to showcase just the instrumentation. Uh, what's interesting is Dave Krusen actually has commented on, the, on this particular song that it was a difficult song for him to play drums on. He said at the time that he was pretty green back then and he suffered from too much fluctuation. At least that, that song did. And so for them to finally nail it, I think uh, there's a certain degree of satisfaction in saying, okay, well, we're going to put this out there to the world. And I think it does a wonderful job of um, kind of introducing the band to something that has a chance as a follow-up. I mean, it's, it's, you put Alive out there, you know what I mean? The last thing you want to do is put another single and be like, oh, this is, this, is, this is what you guys put out next. You almost have to match that or exceed which is very difficult to do. And I think uh, even flow holds its own in that regard. So well, solid, solid choice. Yeah. I've, this is a difficult album. I think to choose from overall, because there are so many songs that, that kind of hit similar high levels. That's like, well, how do you yeah. choose? Like it, it almost comes down to just themes and, and, you know, as the kids say vibes or, or, or tempo, you know, to 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 make, to make your choice of where you want to go next. Now, I I chose Even Flow as my original lead single. Oh, a little overlap to start. Yeah, yeah, that was my first one. I thought it was a little bit more immediate. I thought that I think I might have even said that Alive might not even be a single based on its length, the fact that it's got a two minute guitar solo. Um, it takes it. It's a building song. It's a building song, and you know it. It's great, obviously. It's great. But uh, I don't know that it does what you want a single to do, except for the the chorus is obviously legendary. Everyone's yelling at me, which is fine. But listen, I chose Even Flow. And I'm going to go from Even Flow into Why Go. I'm choosing Why Go because I think it's a succinct rocker. it adds a new flavor of the style of music that we got on the first single. Um, in my case, like I said, even the flow, the riff is is so catchy, and everyone loves a song that starts with drums. I mean, who doesn't love that? That gets you going right out of the gate. Another great mic guitar solo. It's concise, which I like. Very similar to the Dark Matter solo, by the way, in its con- conciseness. Consist with what's the word I'm looking for? I'm terrible with words sometimes. Uh, 
And you got that sing-along chorus. I mean, it's all about the sing-along chorus. Why go home? That's going to be stuck in your head for days. I mean, the backing vocals really make you feel like this is a, a communal song. And I think that's something that isn't there with Even Flow. And at three minutes and 20 seconds, it's shorter than Even Flow, but kicks just as much ass. So it does. You've you got some things that Even Flow doesn't have, and you got um, I think the intensity remains high, which I like going one two in that in that area. If the if the record demands or the record, I should say, um, allows for that, I like to kind of hit one two with the energy and the flow. Uh, so for those reasons, I'm going with uh, with my go. So we go from verses to no, I'm sorry, ten we go to from verse. ten to verses. Yeah. Second choice, we both chose animal to lead off verses. We did, which was the original, which was the actual second single, right? To mm-hmm. to go. What are you making your second single? Uh, I'm going to go a little off the grid with this one. I'm going to go with rear view mirror. Ooh, yes, fan favorite. Okay, yeah, it is a fan favorite. Um. I think that this this particular song is unique um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, you got Mike experimenting with an Ebo on the song. Um, you know, you've you've got some social commentary here. Uh, you got some frustration. You know, we talked to, to Dave A throwing his drumsticks against the wall in frustration, which uh, which made the cut, obviously, as as we know, one of those little little Easter eggs there. Um, I think that. When you start thinking about the riots that were happening in Los Angeles at the time, I like the idea of a song that comes out and makes a statement. So the mm-hmm. first track, Animal, you know, one, two, three, four, five against one. I think that does a really nice job of setting the tone for not only the record, but the position of the band at the time as it relates to their place within the industry. This is a song that I think there's more of a sense of agency. And it's, it's a song that allows the band to say, hey, listen, you know, we're using our voice and we're exercising it. And, you know, we're expanding what it is that we're talking about in our music. And there's a lot of personal narrative on 10. Um, some of it is, you know, loosely biographical in some regards and some, some not at all. You know, there's a, a fictional subject. But I think this was a song where they were able to take a step back and say, hey, you know, we're looking around at the world around us and we're affected by it and it's impacting our music and it's inspiring us to say something and to write something. And I think this composition comes out uh, unlike animal, which is just a ferocious punch in the mouth to begin. I feel like rearview mirror has this glorious buildup and it has this infectious groove to it, similar to even flow. And as it builds, especially towards the end, I mean, the, the only tricky part with this song is it's almost five minutes long. So there, I, I think there would be a radio right. edit for it. You know what I mean? So it, it would like be a condense the interlude, maybe something. Yeah, condense that in yeah. a little bit. You know, kind of kind of hug that like you know three fifty to four twenty mark somewhere in there. Um, but I think it would be a really fascinating way to um, follow up a song that kind of shows listeners. A very different side of the band because the the style of recording on 10 was very polished there's a lot of reverb there 
animal comes out and it just punches you in the face and there's none of that you know what i mean i think this was kind of the they it was almost like the band wanted to reintroduce themselves on their own terms this time mm. <clears throat> and i feel like with rearview mirror now that they've done that they're basically saying and we have something to say and and that's that's what rearview mirror does so hard to argue with that um i'm not really going to it's not my choice but it's an excellent one uh you go from animal to to rear mirror i go uh animal to leash oh i guess oh look at that leash on an animal uh more mid-tempo than the previous single the chorus and outro are ultra catchy Mm -hmm. but honestly i think it's all about that first first i mean talk about bringing everyone under the tent like there aren't more all-encompassing of the pearl jam fan community lyrics than these right again it's very concise you know under four minutes it gets from each section to the next without any fat on the bones um and it's another connecting song as it comes you know it it was born in the 10 era Mm -hmm. so it's got one hand in each in each album here and of course the kids would love the edited curse words because that's the thing that the kids love right parents don't want me listening to the curse words ah yeah well there you go we got plenty of them and the energy of this one is just out of this world and it would would grab anybody who would question that this band's desire and power is not absolutely sincere and 10 out of 10 so i think those one two that one two punch of of animal and leash which like holy i thought i knew what this band was about now i know what this band is about well done. I like it. I mean, I mean that's a that's a blistering start. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, moving into 1994 here. Vitalogy. I I don't remember what you chose here. To be honest with you, uh, initially I went with Corduroy. So that was the first release. Oh, did? okay. Yeah, so I went with Corduroy, um, and I think that it at the time, you know, I commented on how there was these thematic and symbolic references to what Eddie was going through personally to the, the caricatures of themselves that, uh, you know, were being idolized and, and how and that made them feel. Uh, but as a follow-up, I wanted to think of something that was a little bit more personal. So I went with better man as a follow-up, which mm. the reason I like that is because I feel like three records in, this was Pearl Jam showing a very different side of themselves. Now, they, ha- you know, by then, audiences have heard elderly women, or woman, pardon me, um, they've heard Daughter, you know what I mean? They've heard Garden. They've heard mid- and slow-tempo songs, ballads from the band, if you will. But not traditional ballads in the sense that Siren was, but Sirens was. But I think with a song like Better Man, there's a pop element to it that the band resisted, or at least Eddie resisted before Brendan O'Brien said, you got to put this on the record. I mean, this, this is, this belongs here. Um, and I love the idea that this, this song comes out on the heels of Corduroy, which just, I think satiates the masses just looking for the, mm-hmm. for, it, it, It's arguably their best mid tempo song. And or then just song or song. Yeah. I mean, argue. some, some might argue that. <laughs> and then you get a song like better man. And I just think that, if you had Corduroy and Better Man, that's when people are listening to this record saying, is this the best thing they've ever done? Is, is this, that, did they actually peak at record three? You know <laughs> what I mean? Is this, is this really yeah. happening here? 
Um, and then they listen to, you know, stupid Foxy Ma Panel Mama. And then, <laughs> like, okay, well, wait what a minute. Was this? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Uh, and then Paul comes along and says, it's the, you know, Pearl Jam's White Album. But that's a conversation that has already been had and will continue to be had on a, another day. But uh, I think here, that range is something that I thought would be interesting to, to, to reveal to Pearl Jam fans as opposed to what, what I was debating that in last exit, but I, in my head, I was thinking, mm. you know, is it's, it, there's a sense of like, is it just derivative? You know, we're just, here's another rock song. You know, I kind of thought like this was an opportunity. You, you might be noticing a theme here where these follow-ups mm. all seem to be saying something either in contrast or as a pivot. So, well, this is the beautiful thing is that most albums have more than two singles. So in my Maybe. head, I was already thinking about well, what's what could follow, and what what kind of what kind of story do I want the singles to tell? Mm-hmm. Because generally speaking, as we're about to find out, I'm sure in real life, you usually get at least two singles before a record comes out. Often three. Uh, Quick Escape came out two days before Gigaton came out, but yesteryear when singles were huge, you definitely got three before the record came out in, yeah. in in many cases. So in my mind, it's like still no one knows what's coming. No one knows what's coming. So, you know, I think the thing with Pearl Jam is that every album makes a statement and Vitalogy is no exception. With Corduroy is my lead single as well. They were sharing quite nakedly where they were at. You know, the second single needs to, for me, build on that. Because mm-hmm. it was saying something that that they hadn't said before. And everyone's probably, you know, the ears are perking up and saying, wait, nothing, nothing's, nothing's amazing? I mean, not everything's amazing? What's going on here? So for me, if I'm the band or the label, whatever, I want to clarify that a little bit more. And there's fewer ways better to clarify that than with not for you. So I'm going not for you. Okay. Another relatively simple Ed song, but this one doubles down, like I said, on that, you know, whole the elites do not understand what we or our listeners are about. You know, we cannot be commodified. That whole thing, which permeates Vitalogy, and especially these two songs. It's got dynamics, sing-along chorus. Uh, I think this song, especially on the heels of Cordray, says what the band wants to say on the album. And that's like what I've been saying. It, it, each album needs to, or I should say each single, needs to kind of make your ears, like I said, go perk up and go, what are they trying to say? Mm-hmm. Breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. I forget, maybe it was you that said breadcrumbs a couple episodes ago um, ahead of the Dark Matter release. It's mm-hmm. on my mind. And I think after this point, after they've really nailed home this theme and this idea, then they could pivot. Then they can pivot to something else that that is maybe where their heart truly is as opposed to where their anger is. They've said that. And so, you know, eventually we'll do what comes next. But I think out of the gate, I'd like Not For You doubling down on Corduroy. I know it's it's the opposite way that you're going. Which That's I think okay. Is interesting. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. Okay, okay. So now things have ha- have happened, and we have moved into a new era, a Jack Irons era. No code is coming. 
the first single has come out. What was your first single again? Uh, it was In My Tree. So we had we had three in a row that were actually the same. I was yeah. mistaken at the top. Yeah. I think we do, did differ from here on that, though. I think we did, too. Yeah. Yeah. So f- when you start thinking about a follow-up to this, <clears throat> I mean, In My Tree is, it, it. first of all, hello, Jack Irons, right? I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I was tempted to go uh, who you are. I, I really liked the the idea of just you know this eclectic mix of percussion. But then I started thinking, well, if you do that back to back, I mean, basically anybody who hears these two songs starts to wonder: is, is Pearl Jam doing like a world album? Like, is, is Yanni <laughs> going to be on here? Like, what's going on? Um, I think you need something that's a bit more of a rocker, uh, but. It was it was tempting to go with something like Red Mosquito or Smile, which I really really adore. I kind of went with the consensus. I, I I opted to go with Hail Hail, which is what the the band released as their second single yeah. as well. Song about a troubled relationship. What I liked about this was, you know, the guys are basically you know entering a new stage in their lives. They've got three massive hit records under their belt. Um, they've they've taken on ticket Ticketmaster and lost but in the process mm-hmm. you know really redefined their legacy in some respects I think sonically speaking this song Hail Hail has more of a garage rock feel to it than some of the arena or anthem style of rock and roll that they had been making previously um, you know this record does not feature the type of uh, pop or rock hit that you would have found on Versus or Vitology so this to me was you know basically their way of saying I hope you're ready for something different because this album is not like the previous three at all and uh, and I think opening with a song like In My Tree makes that okay I feel like that's the kind of song that lets everybody know that you know Jack Irons is with us and the beat's gonna be a little different but at the same time you're still going to rock out to a record like this. And there, it's still going to have some epic swells, which In My Tree does. But, yeah, you know, what makes this challenging with a song like Hail Hail, I think, is Eddie's vocal delivery. There's nothing else in the catalog to this point that's really like it. He kind of has this, uh, um, you know, like he's stuck in the mud. And, which makes sense, because I think it echoes the themes of the song, of this this relationship that you know, hail to the lucky ones who, who managed to find love and figure this out. Because I feel like I'm I'm in the mud and just trying to dig my way out. Um, but it does rock, so I think it 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 does a nice job of not alarming the listener <laughs> too much <laughs> in that regard. Which I think, yeah, no. inevitably, they they probably would find themselves alarmed regardless. Because this this was the record that I think a lot of people started to jump ship. A lot of the casual fans. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's yeah. any sequencing here that prevents that from happening. But I do think that if you asked me, how does, hey, I'm sorry, how does No Code put its best foot forward? I do like In My Tree, followed by Hail Hail as a way to do that. Yes. Uh, I I think the band actually, to your point, nailed this one. I'm going Hail Hail as well uh, as a second single. Uh, I, think, I think it is a great pivot from the more eclectic song uh, that th- certainly threw a lot of people. And in reality, that was who you are for me and for you. It was in my tree. But it's similar reasons. 
You know, it, it's, it's important to remind folks that this isn't the only sound on the album, especially if you're truly not ready to completely disappear from the mainstream. Right. Rock fans, periphery, you know, like people, there are some fans who, like you said, just completely tuned out um, when they heard who you are. And in our case, maybe it was in my tree that they were tuned out from. But I think it was important to keep one foot in the more direct rock ring. It, you know, it's a straight-ahead rocker. It, it simply gets the job done. Relationship, song, as you said. But it's got a maturity behind it um, that mid-Eddie, mid-Eddie, that mid-90s Ed really did well. Mm. It doesn't tread on the tired cliches of other relationship songs because Ed doesn't usually do that. Are, are you this, woman enough to be my man? Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it definitely doesn't play on those tropes. No. Yeah, so like... I think even to this day, I, I, some people find this song to be maybe, the, it's, I don't want to say it's like the bathroom song, because some, some people say that even flow is that song for them, and shame on you, because how, how dare you miss a, like a pretty guitar solo. But some people might think that Hail Hail is another version of that, and I disagree. It always sounds fresh to my ears for some reason. Yeah. And I, I, think it, I think it's the right move to make having it as a second single after challenging the audience, as they did, with who you are, and in our case, my case, in my tree. Mm. So, I think similar reasons why we like this to be number two. Yep. Which, by the way, means that single three is going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> because there's not a whole lot to choose from that radio would really care about. So that'll be interesting when we get there eventually. All right, so now we're on to Yield. Things are coming back around again. Where do you go from here? Um... And what was your first single again? Your lead single? My first single was In Hiding, which was a little different. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I like the idea of uh, really just elevating the way that that song does, yep. uh, at least vocally for Eddie. And so the only way to follow that up is to pick the song that matches that sonically, and that would be Given to Fly. So Given to Fly to me is is uh, probably the crowning achievement on that record, most, most would say. And um, it's in, a song that features alternate tuning as well and, and Mike McCready is, is front and center with it and uh, I don't know I mean Ed has talked a little bit about this song and uh, the, the way that it makes the audience feel you know the, the audience loves to participate in the song and I think you know Mike likened it to like a wave in an ocean is what he described it as. You know, starts out slow, gets a little larger, a little larger, and then breaks, and then it comes down again. And for him, metaphorically, that's kind of how he saw that song. But <clears throat> I think if you're gonna raise the bar with the song off yield, given to fly is that song. And um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I kind of feel like if you had deviated away from Pearl Jam with no code. You are yeah. very much on your way back at this point because you, you've oh, heard 100%. between In Hiding, which was never released as a single, and Eddie actually later would lament why, uh, to a song like Given Fly. <laughs> wow, you know? Yeah. Now, that's a great one-two punch for sure. And I think your reasons for making it number two are the reasons why I made it my first. Yep. So I, th I thought the band did, did the right move in making it the first single. And so then where do I go from here? And I do love In Hiding. And it might it might find its way onto this singles list at some point for me, but it's not today. I think after you 
have really elevated the audience with Given the Fly, it's it's kind of hard to go somewhere else because, like you said, it might be the best song on the record and for a while after that as well. And it's a very dynamic album, so there's a lot of ways you can go with this. It can be quite aggressive. It can be playful, sarcastic. Um, you know, Given the Fly was was so soaring and uplifting, like I said, but that's not everything in this world. And perhaps, perhaps the band would want to showcase how dynamic thematically Yield really is. So I'm going to go with Do the Evolution, which wasn't actually a single, by the way, which is weird. It's weird to think about that, isn't it? Yeah. They made a video for it, but it wasn't a single. They made it, like I said, it was their first single in six years. And it got lots of mass appeal musically, and it's got an incredible point to prove. It somehow charted not being a single. But I think it could have been even bigger. I think it could have, if they leaned into it even more than they did, it could have really made a bigger statement. I actually wrote like a like a the, not a thesis but like a like a whole paper in a in a college class around the idea of art kind of like not not predicting things but having premonitions or like saying if we don't if we don't do this now we might regret it later kind mm. of thing uh, when it, as, as it comes to climate and, and and politics and stuff like that which maybe you know 2010 came and went but maybe they were onto something there with that. <laughs> So because of the diversity and depth of this record, there are there are plenty of ways to go uh, out of this, but I, I wanted to make a slight change in energy and dynamics here uh, with with the second single. So you have this very pretty, uplifting moment with Given the Fly, and I think you can kind of go whoop and kind of hit everybody in the face, kind of like a reverse version of Versus, mm-hmm. and hit them with the sarcastic kind of political side of this record. With the evolution next, which obviously means I have a lot of really pretty ways to go next time around. <laughs> That's a fascinating way to go about this. I mean, it really does show a dichotomy on that record, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting choice. Interesting choice. So now we're at turn of the century, the new millennium by Neural. It's getting real interesting, my friend. It is. Uh, and what better way to keep it weird than nothing as it seems. So, <laughs> is, that, um, is that your choice? Yeah, it is, actually. Uh, so the Ooh, first, wow. the, the, okay. uh, initially I went Light Years. Light Years was my lead. And it kind of has this um, very wistful, poppy groove to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, a dreamy song. That's one way to look at it. Um, but I feel like there's a darker underbelly to a lot of those sentiments in light years and to this record as a whole and jeff wrote this song about his childhood in montana and um it's just the kind of song that kind of channels like pearl jam's inner pink floyd and i I think that it's a it's a really cool just brooding jam and you kind of get lost in it and i think it does a marvelous job of acting as almost like a parallel or a mirror to the visual art of the record. And I think at at this point in time, you know, that was something Pearl Jam was really starting to push a lot more. The the visualizations Mm, and, um, you know, how their records were experienced visually through the album art and, and as a concept. So I think nothing as it seems 
is the kind of song that, you know, A, it takes beautiful advantage of, of the binaural recording approach that was uh, very famously utilized on a number of tracks on this, on this album. And I also think that thematically, it does a wonderful job of kind of highlighting or emphasizing the, the sense of alienation and um, the loneliness and um, the, 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 I don't want to say despair because it wasn't so much that, but it was just kind of the sense of searching you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's an existential quality that is is really expanded on upon, I should say, on right act. But I think that the seeds of that are really planted here by neural. So nothing as it seems does that well. You know how much I love this song. Yeah, I do. I really and someone someone said I want to say where was it? I think it was either in it might have been in our Discord. It might have been on Facebook. I don't remember. Um, but someone said that they thought that. Jeff's or a lot of Jeff's ideas needed the band to like get the best out of it kind mm. of thing. Okay. But if you listen to the demo of nothing as it seems with where it's just Jeff, which I think is available on the PJ 20 soundtrack, it's not too far off. Mm-mm. Obviously there's no Mike solos, but right. you know, he can't do that. But like the rest of it's pretty much what you hear just, even the intonations and how Ed sings versus how Jeff sings are kind of in, some, in the same continuity there. Yeah. Yeah, there's some continuity there. So, but despite that, I find it an odd choice as a single because of it of its traditional inaccessibility. Which describes um, most of this record, mind you. <laughs> I know, which might uh, help you realize where I'm going to go. So, and I get the point of trying to, if you're using this song to say, this is kind of a microcosm of a lot of what the record is about, which I was, you know, banging that drum about earlier in the episode, then I get it. But for radio, does that do the record a disservice where it might just drop off the face of the earth? Well, what did you open with? Was it Grievance? Yes. Okay. Open with Grievance. And I've always felt that grievance and insignificance went hand in hand. I think they tackle themes in the same zip code. And I think, you know, what they were feeling around this time really came through in songs like these. So I'm choosing insignificance as my second single for my neural. And it's always uh, felt stretched to me, okay. if that makes sense. You know, I, I, it's got a number of parts and it extends itself over four and a half minutes. But at, at the same time, it grabs you and it doesn't let go. And I have to really credit the chorus and Jeff specifically because it's one of those really good pogo moments. If I can quote Rich Wilson with that, with that term, you know, the verses almost lull you into like a false sense of a ballad in a sense, but then the pre-chorus and the chorus kind of rip you away from that feeling. And then you got this on the, going into the second chorus. Mike has this, like this one note thing that he does with, with a phaser pedal on, it goes like, just in one side. I think it's like the the right side, and it's just it just brings you into that world, and it's just it, almost like a portal, and I love it. And and it's an exploration into some of the more progressive music the band has done, but it keeps the single guardrails kind of on it, if that makes sense. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. They don't let themselves kind of veer out too far away. Like they stay right where they need to to keep the, the, the song on its on the rails. And you know the outro 
by itself will we'll keep you tapping your foot for minutes into the next song on the radio, whatever Chili Pepper song is, is playing or something like that. Um, it's instilled to want to live. I mean, I, that line is so great. And it really builds on, on grievance in the right way from single to single and allows the band to go in a different direction come the third one. So similar to Vitalogy, where I'm kind of doubling down or building on what of what I said, because I think those themes, both on Vitalogy and Binaural, are so strong that they're kind of worth doubling down on before we shift gears and showcase something else. So it's interesting how you think, okay, this song is enough to, to tick that box. Now I want to show, I'm like, not enough. <laughs> what, what do you make of that? What do you make of Insignificance back to back? It was something I considered as the second single. But keep in mind, like for the first one, I didn't start off. I mean, I went light years. So I think, insane, no, I know. you know, so it would have been very, very different. Um, I think that there is, I don't want to say there's redundancy with those songs. Cause I don't think it's so much that I think sonically speaking, um, they're, they're messy in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, so I, I think, uh, I, I personally find myself more drawn to singles that offer something a little different sonically from the, the prior release as opposed mm. to something that feels like, you know, another example of, of the same, you know what I mean? Even if, even if it's just the same style of song. Um, so that's where I think I would differ, but I think the, thematically, I mean, there's definitely some connections there. Yeah. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I heard you saying, okay. Well, as we move into 2002 with riot act, what was on display with binaural really made, took a turn it and did. found one of those tangents or it found one of those, you know, access roads off the highway yeah. as it were. So uh, again, I don't remember what you chose as your lead. Well, initially I went with I am mine. I thought yes, that, okay. you know, for, for a record like this, where the band really started to get a lot more political, um, there was definitely a response to nine 11 here. Uh, but I think on a personal level, I Am Mine was a response to, you know, Roskilde and th- this existential moment for them about, you know, can we, should we continue? With a second song, I think it's important that a release feature um, purpose, you know, something something a little bit more. And they did a beautiful job with I Am Mine articulating a, a sense of, of uh, intention and purpose, you know, but I think that was, that was so singular in its scope that a song like green disease kind of widens the lens a little bit more. Mm. And what I like about green disease is uh, it's a bit more frenetic, which I think was important. Mm-hmm. So it offers a, a nice sonic contrast to a song like I am mine. Um, I think that, you know, this is a record where they, they had a lot to say. They're making a lot of statements on this record. And why not start with a statement about greed? Um, I think greed can, it was and continues to be a central motif in so much of the dialogue surrounding both 9-11 and uh, you know, pretty much the direction that our country has gone in ever since. And uh, Eddie once is said of this song, I'm not saying capitalism is what's wrong about this. It's more like corporate responsibility. Can't tell me there's not other ways of making it good for everybody. 
And I think that was part of the riot, you know what I mean? So in, in some yeah. ways, this song is very reflective of the larger statement that the band is making on a conceptual level with this record as a whole, as a riot act, so to speak. So I think I, I, I like it as a follow-up to the song Like I Am Mine, which is very, yeah, like I, I said, very singular in its scope. Well, that, that, that very much crossed my mind. I was looking at Green Disease long and hard. Uh, for all the reasons that you said. So that's a good choice. I like that one. And Riot Act is so different in a lot of ways um, that, you know, I I picked Save You as my opening single. uh, And that was a kind of a way to do the opposite of picking, you know, a Who You Are or an In My Tree Mm -hmm. as the lead single from No Code. You know, it's it's an outlier on the album, but but draws people in. Now, is that a bait and switch? (laughs) Some some yeah, could well, think. I mean, you know, because there's not a lot of songs that are like that. It's it's a lot of them are a little bit more down. Yeah. Um, I think some could think that it's a bait and switch, depending on if you like it or not. It could be a positive switch. It could be a negative switch. But with the second single, I think this is where the band would want to test the waters again. To kind of to your point, uh, challenge the listener because I think their patience is being tried by the White House administration of the moment. And that's why I'm going with Bush Leaguer. I am getting. <laughs> you had me there. <laughs> I couldn't hold it in. <laughs> you had me there. I'm sorry. I had to do it. No, I, I'm going to go with uh, I Am Mine. I think that's the right okay. move. Yeah. This is more in line with the rest of the album musically, but I, I think it's it's hopeful in the face of negativity. And I think we kind of need that because even Save You, even though the music is up, it's about trying to help somebody who just cannot help himself. That's pretty negative too. It so is. So we need we need we need that positive spin. Um, if Save You was a chance to remind folks that they're back with a new album and grab their curiosity, I think I Am Mine is certainly there to grab their attention hmm. and really say, "There's actually a lot happening here, and here's an opportunity to kind of downshift, shift gears, as it were." Um, to your point about the last record that we talked about. So. Okay. Solid choice. I like it. All right. Now we're into 2006. We are firmly uh, inside the Bush administration, uh, second term. And I only say that because that's what permeates this record, my friend. Yes, it is. Worldwide so Suicide. Worldwide Suicide is, for me, the, the follow-up. The uh, initial lead that I had was Severed Hand, which I think mm. um, I just love the way that that song works on so many levels and I think in many ways after Binaural and Riot Act um, if you found yourself really finding the band to be increasingly more and more inaccessible I think Severed Hand was a way to kind of you know, provide us a, a softer landing for a record like this and yeah. uh, it's just it's a great rock song but how do you follow that up well, you, you gotta raise the bar and I think Worldwide Suicide does that I mean this song was the initial the actual first release from the record it spent um, I think two or three weeks as uh, the number one song on the rock charts at the time so clearly it was very very well received um, as a follow up to Severed Hand I think it works beautifully it's just basically in a, and again it sounds a little bit counterintuitive right like I literally just said a song like Insignificance After Grievance Feels we a little both contradicted bit. ourselves. Exactly, right? <laughs> but I, for me, I think that uh, there's 
there's not that much contrast, believe it or not, on at least not with the original mix. I think the Brendan O'Brien mix offers a little bit more nuance, mm. but the original mix of this sure. record, I find to be um, just kind of one track in a lot of ways. Um, you know, a song like Parachutes and, and Come Back, and uh, certainly the intro for Inside Job offer a little bit of a respite to, to those moments. But otherwise, I mean, everything kind of, for me, at least sonically, kind of slots into similar lane. So Worldwide Suicide, at the very least, elevates things and takes it to a new level, at least uh, based on what we established with Severed Hands. So I just try yeah. to go back to 2006. If the first thing I heard off this record was Severed Hand, I'm feeling really excited about this album. And then I hear Worldwide Suicide, and then everyone around me is really excited about the album. You know what I mean? So I kind of I mean, like that's how I felt about Worldwide Suicide when I first heard yeah. it. And I think I forget exactly what I said the last time because I chose it as my first single. I agreed with the band in this regard. And I think that the band this time around had no intention of laying off the accelerator. I think mm-hmm. they were that kind of pissed and especially when it came to criticizing uh president bush and the uh the wars in the middle east so you know we we hit him with worldwide suicide out of the gate get him angry and then in my opinion you got to hit him in the fields a little bit but with a similar theme and that is with army reserve Mm. that was (laughs) you think they were they were neck and neck yeah i was actually uh, i was at army reserve and I, i pivoted Towards the Pivoted. end of my process, okay. yeah. So, well, Good I call. mean, I think you would agree with me. It's I a do. very majestic song. It's got that soaring chorus, very much. So. Such an impactful song, and I love the idea of giving radio a song with no words after the second chorus. There, there's a statement to be made about a song without singing or a traditional guitar solo for the last minute, maybe of it. Um, it makes me feel like the soldier, the father in the story, is truly missing. And then before you know it, the song is over. It's only 3.46, but it feels like even shorter than that. And let's think about the music video possibilities for this thing. Oh, my. I mean, this would have crushed, absolutely crushed. Uh, It builds on. It's like another part of the narrative Mm -hmm. of Worldwide Suicide, which I kind of spoke about earlier, kind of building on something. I think maybe, to my credit, it actually works better here than it did back in binaural because the, the, the record very much is about this kind of path. Right. Um, so yeah, I like Army Reserve to follow. And, and and musically speaking, it's obviously less aggro as Worldwide Suicide, even True. though it kind of touches on same, some of the same ideas. Good call. Yeah, I thought uh, Army Reserve would have been a fantastic single. I, I remain yep. vexed. That it never was. Uh, that and in hiding, there's just certain songs that, or severed hand, really. I mean, there's a handful of songs that it's like, how did those things not find themselves as part of that in the catalog? Someone said know. no, Paul. Someone no. that makes a lot of money said, said no. no. It could have been the band member. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so now 2009, things are like things are groovy. You know, the band's enjoying themselves. There's, there's, there's kids all around us. They prefer the president who happens to be the president at the time. Backspacer happens. 37 minutes of fun. So where are you going? Well, you know, my lead off this record in our last conversation was Lightning Bolt. And I kind of 
tease myself. Wrong, wrong, wrong record, my friend. Uh, no, sorry. Born backspacer. <laughs> All right. Jumping the gun, clearly. Uh, okay, so my lead here was Unbought Known at the time. Yes. And uh, I think as a follow-up to that, the only way that you can go is Just Breathe. I think Just Breathe is that beautiful ballad that 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 illustrates just how mature the band has become. It in- reintroduces you to Eddie Vedder on an entirely new level. And, um, and I think it presents this record in a wholly different way where if you were thinking about buying the record and you hear unthought known, you're thinking, okay, you know, this, this has shades of the who, you know what I mean? Um, and then you hear just breathe and you're thinking, wow, like we, we're all grown up now, aren't we? (laughs) And, um, yeah. So I, I think that, uh, it's a beautiful pairing those two songs together sonically speaking um i think it 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 really does a nice job of shining a light as it were on the two things that i think are done well on this record which is those high beautiful soaring heights with you know gems and rhinestones and um just the the beautiful reflective sense of urgency that you get with a song like uh, the end or that beautiful, meditative, um, wistful, fanciful sense of, of just, you know, just being in love. And and I think Just Breathe does that beautifully. So, yeah, Just Breathe. Yeah, not not a not a wrong choice at all. It's um it's something I was considering. However, the I look at Just Breathe as a not an anomaly per se. But it's it definitely sticks out like a beautiful thumb, as does the end. Whereas Unthought Known kind of straddles like the uh, more rockin' side of the album with the beautiful side. Mm-hmm. Now I started off agreeing with the band with the Fixer. That was my lead single. There I it thought goes. it was you know the, the you know the perfect type of pop rock song to introduce this concise generally upbeat record um and so from there i then i think you gotta showcase some more love but in a different way so i think with that in mind we change gears musically but stay in the we're feeling good we love love theme and go to unthought known so you chose that as the lead i'm saying let's piggyback off of the fixer and go to that. Okay. I think there's some similarities in arrangement and emotional ascendancy to give him to fly with this song. Mm-hmm. So why the hell not? Yeah. Uh, there's also a beautiful diversity of instruments that shows something that we've not seen for a while from a Pearl Jam single, at least in my little world with within this exercise. And I considered Force of Nature for a moment here, but I did think you? that Unthought Known... Yeah, yeah, I did. I like that song a lot. Um, I, I think that Unthought Known does most of that here anyway. Yeah, it does. Not, not that Unthought Known and Force of Nature are the same song. Oh, they're not. They're very different stuff. from each other. Yeah, very yeah. They do, it's very different in a lot of other ways, but the things that, that I thought would make Force of Nature a nice choice, Unthought Known was already doing in a way that I preferred. Okay. In a single, at least. And, and there's, there's, there's really no wasted space in this song either it's a really a lovely choice for radio it kind of it moves up it comes back down it goes back up again it finishes down um ed doesn't over sing it but there's very few instrumental pieces to it like it's just a, a 
pretty song that would kill on radio. So I think after like the pure pop rock, you know, Matt Cameron, The Fixer, that kind of just says a lot of nice, really happy and positive things. We can specify to love on the second with Unthought Okay. Good choice. I like it. Now, Lightning Bolt, my friend. Okay. So uh, I initially had chosen the song Lightning Bolt, which um, the album takes its namesake. I went with that song as uh, the lead, <laughs> which felt, I don't want to say unconventional, but uncomfortable to me because I've never been a huge fan of when the lead single is. so strange. <laughs> it just, it feels like um, almost like too packaged to me. Uh, which, funny enough, you know, dark matter. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but I think that that that's kind of why why I think it works when you start thinking about the Pearl Jam catalog is, is the types of albums that they do that for. Um, how do you follow up a song like Lightning Bolt? To me, Yellow Moon is that song. It's uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's that you know, it's it's that beautiful like homage to Neil Young. Um, at least that's the way Mike McCready described it in an interview. Right? Yeah. It's like a hat tip to Neil, kind of a deal. Uncle Neil, as they call him. Uh, it's very smooth, but I think as a composition, this particular song does something a little bit different than other less typical or un- or conventional songs on the record. So when I think of a song like uh, "Sleeping by Myself" or "Future Days," you know those are very beautiful in different ways yellow moon has a uh a a vocal melody to it and there is a pattern that just seems to to occupy a different plane than those other two songs i feel like future days is a kind of a um i don't want to say it's kitschy because it's not but it's it's very um you know Lost in love, whereas sleeping by myself is is lost in heartbreak. Yellow moon is that space in in between where it's really anchored, I think, by this cerebral connection to the world around you in ways that are not so subject to the temporal. It's not so much about your relationships with your peers or your relationships with your loved ones. It's very much about your connection to the world around you. And um, I think there's a lot of debate about what the song is really about. I think when you, when you study the lyrics and, you know, we've talked about it, I don't think it's necessarily that clear. It's not existential in a way that crop duster is, you know what Mm. I mean? Um, Yeah. But I think that it is certainly evasive in some ways, similar to a song like Crop Duster. So I'm reluctant to nail down exactly what the song is trying to tell me. You know what I mean? Because I think that... And yet you're choosing it as a single. I'm so intrigued. I'm choosing it as a single because I think Lightning Bolt, that song is about being inspired, right? It's trying to um, personify inspiration. Okay, great. But what about the things that you can't personify so easily? <clears throat> you know what I mean? What does that feel like? What does that sound like? And I think that a song like um, Yellow Moon has that heart of gold feel to it. You know, or Helpless, I think, was the, the Neil Young song that Mike has, has likened it to. 
And so for me, anyway, it does a nice job of providing the listener with an opportunity to hear contrast. And I think that um, Future Days just feels too like, you know, 1963 pop single to it. You know what I mean? Like Sleeping By Myself just doesn't really work in the same way. A, because we've already heard it on the ukulele album, right? So I don't like that there. Um, and I think that Lightning Bolt's already a rocker. So, you know, I thought about Getaway. I thought that would have been a cool doubling way to double down. But Yellow Moon, to me, just offers that that nice pivot. So That is interesting, and I'm curious to see what our viewers slash listeners say in the comments about They're that. They're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody to tell me that they agree with you and to tell me why. No, they're probably going to vehemently disagree and illustrate why I have no, no idea fine. what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's okay. I, I the, Theoretically speaking, I like what you're saying. I'm trying to match it like point for point of what Yellow Moon does and why radio would be a good place for it. So I'm going to need some time to marinate on it. But if you're saying it, it's probably got some really good reasons behind it so i'm gonna have to let that sink into my like, brain Matt, that that guitar the solo in yellow moon like that, imagine that like while you're on the highway you know driving on on the one and that is playing as the sun is setting like what really or and any time of day playing really? on the rock channel that your mom always listened to which was what again <laughs> uh k101 light rock less talk there it is see that <laughs> makes sense that that k rock klos i don't know but that one, maybe. <laughs> but it's not right, Kenny so, G. It's Yellow Moon. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it, 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 How it's, dare it's, you besmirch the name? It's subdued. That's all I'm saying. Fair enough. All right. Now you mentioned Getaway. That was my choice. Coming out of the gate with Getaway, that was a beautiful way to to kick off the 2013 record Lightning Bolt. Um. I think it had some energy and a theme that we haven't seen in a while from the guys. You know, the whole, never mind my opinion, you know, have your own, be you. That, that, that doesn't, hasn't, hasn't necessarily been a thing that the band was knocking, knocking down the door with um, for a number of years. At least I don't recall. And I think starting out with that was very cool. And that's, that's a unifying sentiment in a strange way. But I think we can unite folks in another way. Let's bring it back to love again. And I think you were right. I think Lightning Bolt is a, is a beautiful track. I'm, I'm with, yeah, absolutely. I think the title track as a second single is right way to go. It's upbeat. It celebrates you know the person you just can't live without. That lightning and that, that makes that, the person that makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. Um, everyone needs to feel this way. And, and this song has always felt really big to me, like it's soaring, looking for folks disillusioned by love lost. You know. And picking them up and saying, "Yeah, love, lift, love, lift us up, and, and and knock us down." But it's it's that very power that makes us such a great and powerful thing to aspire to have. So I think, and, and listen, it's got all the different markings of a good song. It's got mm-hmm. a really fun energy and beat to it. Um, it moves swiftly from from uh, part to part. Cool guitar solo, rock and outro. Um, you, got, you got the clapping, the do 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 part. I mean, I remember Mike saying he, he couldn't wait to play this one live, and he's right. So I think going from Getaway, you stay rocking, but in a different kind of way, and you change the theme to love. Um, 
and maybe from there you can you can well for me at least you can go somewhere else but I like Lightning Bolt at number two solid choice alright we're on the last one here Gigaton came out four years ago under uh, incredibly strange circumstances what was your what was your cha- choice for um, <clears throat> single I started with Quick Escape yes yeah and, okay. and I think that you know if, if you had heard Quick Escape first you would have had a very different reaction to this album. I think that when you heard dance, you were panicked. <laughs> That's I the was. reaction I recall in my 100%. conversation. With the, uh, you know, oh my God, is this going to be a Talking Heads album? What's happening? No, it wasn't a Talking Heads album, but I do love the idea that we can follow up Quick Escape with Dance of the Clairvoyance because I think that's the perfect time to drop that song now, right? So you get a song like Quick Escape, which by the way, if Quick Escape was the initial release for that record, I think people are having the basically the exact same, almost the exact same reaction to Gigaton coming out that they're having now with Dark Matter, right? Yeah. In a lot of ways. Not a bad Um, bad idea. That said though, I mean, there's some very pointed lines in Quick Escape towards the uh, politically charged, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, that would be the difference. And and I think maybe that's why the band didn't want to open up with that as a single, because, you know, it makes everybody listening wonder, is this just going to be a political rant, basically? Like, it's just, just a pointed fireball mm-hmm. aimed in the direction, you know what I mean? Um, whereas a song like Dance of the Clairvoyance is very, very different playful it uh it has that cool electronic you know new wave vibe to it and i think as a follow-up though to a rocker like quick escape it it, it's exciting i think at that point in time you know you've already had your your you're satiated with quick escape you're kind of ready for anything at that point you can't be disappointed you can't be concerned because no matter what you thought of dance the clairvoyance having heard quick escape you're like but it's going to be okay because you know quick escape right (laughs) whereas for me i just would have been you know over the moon excited at that point because first i hear this tremendous rock song and then i hear this and i'm thinking oh my god i mean look at look at what these guys are doing they're really expanding the bandwidth of what they do sonically and i am thrilled about whatever direction they want to take me in at this point in time so going with the dance clairvoyance at two well um, after seven years away, it made sense to me to hit people with something a bit familiar, if a bit evol- evolved, 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 um, and that's why I chose "Take the Long Way" as my lead single. Yeah, from this I recall. Record. I think, kind of like Leash, it's a bridge song um, to me between a couple of eras, and it definitely feels like a song from maybe even decades ago. But with a mature touch, you know, with with some with some playing we've not heard before, wrapped up in a kind of a shiny bow, and it made sense to me to lead off with that. But there was something new about how it sounded, and you know, Megan Grindall's vocals notwithstanding, even if you couldn't put your finger on what made this sound new, um, you could feel it, and in that feeling. It was necessary to not totally scare the more conservative among us from, you know, going nuts when they drop the second single that they should have done, which is Dance of the Clairvoyance. So I'm with you for a lot of the same reasons. 
You don't want to scare people away. Kind of just breadcrumb them a little bit. Mm. Dance with Clairvoyance. You know, I've come around a lot on this song. Uh, as you mentioned, I was kind of scared of what was happening when I heard this for the first time. <laughs> By the time I've consumed Take the Long Way in this, you know, parallel timeline, you know, I, I am ready to accept dance and what it has to offer. And I think many others would feel the same way and, and, and adopt its brilliance quicker. It's, you know, it's a level up or maybe it's just kind of outward, but it's something that keeps the Pearl Jam tree growing in all directions. And I think having that that new musical maturity, amuse-bouche, if you will, of Take the Long Way would allow me to consume and digest dance a little bit better. Um, rather, It'd be like if they had let off uh, Riot Act with, with You Are. People would have been like, what the hell is this? I would have been very didn't. okay with that, actually. <laughs> no, listen, I love You Are, and I actually <clears throat> kind of liked it from the beginning. I don't, maybe it was because it was like a surprise. Like, oh, I've heard, you know, re- quote-unquote regular rock for nine tracks or whatever it was, and then I get something tasty. Like, oh, interesting, okay, fun. Whereas when you hear it for the first thing with no context to the rest of the album, I was like, what the hell is going on? So that's why I like the idea of taking, of taking, take the long way. Uh, first, because it kind of, it just, yeah, it connects you between the two worlds and allows you to open your mind up, or I guess a lot of people more than the Cerebral Paul and people who love when they go crazy and weird to <laughs> accept that crazy and weird uh, without going, ah, and freaking out. That's fair. So, yeah, that's where I'm going with that. So, let's run it back real quick, Paul. Give me um, your first and second singles down the board. Sure. So uh, we're going to start with 10. We go Alive, followed by Evenflow. Into Verses, Animal, followed by Rearview Mirror. Vitology opens with Corduroy, and then we get Better Man as a second single. No Code began with In My Tree, followed by Hail Hail as a second single. Yield, we'll start with In Hiding, and uh, we elevate things to Give and Fly. Uh, Binaural started with Light Years, and we moved into Nothing As It Seems. Riot Act began with I Am Mine, follow-up was Green Disease. Avocado had Severed Hand, followed by Worldwide Suicide. Backspacer Unthought Known, followed up with Just Breathe. Lightning Bolt, the uh, title song, Lightning Bolt. And then uh, clearly a curveball that you weren't ready for with uh, Yellow Moon. And uh, finally Gigaton opening single Quick Escape, follow-up at number two, Dance of the Clairvoyance. All right, and so I chose from 10. First was Even Flow, and then Why Go. Versus was Animal, and then Leash. Vitalogy, Corduroy, and then Not For You. No Code was In My Tree, and Hail Hail. Yield was Given to Fly and Do the Evolution, Binaural, Grievance, and Insignificance. Riot Act was Save You, and then Into In My Tree. I'm sorry, In My Tree. I Am Mine. Uh, Avocado. Pardon me. Avocado was uh, Worldwide Suicide into Army Reserve. Backspacer, The Fixer into Unthought Known. Lightning Bolt was Getaway into Lightning Bolt. And Gigaton, Take the Long Way into Dance of the Clairvoyance. There it is. If the world was a different place and we were in charge of things, that's what would have happened. Because Uh, 10-year-old Paul and 10-year-old Jason would have made the decision what should lead to hell. 
<laughs> oh, good lord. And it's not, this isn't a Bill and Ted situation where we go back in time as our current selves. We go back in time as what we were at the time. Yeah. That's the, hey, that's the wrinkle none of you guys knew about. I think we comported ourselves fairly well here with this exercise. Yes. It's, uh, yes. There's no right or wrong answers per se. No. No, that's not true. There are some horribly wrong answers, actually. Red dot. <laughs> so, guys, as we approach the second single from Dark Matter in a week or two, we think, usually like a, a month apart, I think, is the general consensus nowadays. Uh, what say you? Have a think about it. Mm-hmm. Go through the discography and tell us what you think your first and second single off each record would be and get those in the comments and uh, on YouTube or Facebook. What do you want to hear? Right. Off dark, dark matter. Are you looking for something for a contrast? Do you want to hear, you want to hear more of the same? You know, are you, are you looking for something that is just wildly off the beaten path? Like dance was very, would love to know. Very curious. And uh, just to add to that with a little kind of epilogue, is uh, I believe it was Easy Street Records may have teased what that next single is by quoting lyrics from the song Wreckage uh, on a, an Instagram post. So I don't know if that's just for funsies or if they were really teasing what the next single will be, but there's that. Time and no tell. one has any idea what that song sounds like aside from the couple of things that have you come out from Jonathan Cohen and others, people who were at the listening party. So run with that. My people Where you run may. through the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Go and find whatever you want out of that. Uh, there it is, guys. Uh, we hope you appreciate this episode. Like I said, if you uh, want to help the show, uh, the easiest thing to do is to subscribe to this show on, on YouTube and hit the old like button and the bell thing. And if you're listening to the audio only, you should rate review and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform of choice just like that just like that you could always buy a t-shirt you, this. Like, you could how about that? show one more time state 11 trust looks like the old snake i got my gigaton hat because we don't have any podcast hats yet we don't have any hats as of now as of um so yeah uh lights and podcasting hosting fees and all that stuff uh if you want to help fund this show and keep us on the air Um, There are shirts and there is Patreon and there are links for that everywhere. And that's all for that. Okay. Uh, We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And until we see you then in one week's time, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. (laughs) 